Well, there are a lot of things going on at Friendship. We want to encourage you to engage. And uh, again, just familiarize yourself uh, with what's happening with our events online. You can, of course, look at the app as well. Uh, I'm Kenny. I get to be the campus pastor here in Shakopee, and it is great to see you. We have some things that we're going to cover that I'm particularly stoked out of my mind about. So we better pray. Oh, dear. Yeah. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our midst. And we ask that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand. And even as we walk through this passage together today, Lord, there will be some things that will seem natural and uh, even understandable, but we would ask that you would help us to see how we need to move into the supernatural. Lord, how we need to understand with spiritual eyes. We love you, Lord, and it's in Jesus Christ's precious and holy, holy, holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, I don't know if this is true in your life. It is certainly true in my life where things seem to happen randomly and it's hard to uh, categorize it or maybe even understand it. Anybody else have that? Four of you. Okay, great. Uh, those four of you who are... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <clears throat> certainly, there are things that happen in our lives that we have to uh, try to make sense of and sometimes it's really difficult to do so. Uh, I've started to say, even in my own home and with some of the staff, which I think is making them crazy a little bit, which is not a discouragement for me to stop, just so you know. But I'll say, let's put some dots on the page and figure it out. And what I mean by that is we're going to try to understand things by connecting some dots, and perhaps you've done this too. Maybe it even looks something like this, where you just go, hey, there's... You know, we live in a a unique time, and uh, I don't know, COVID happened, and it's one of those things that is really hard to make tons of sense of, so let's just put COVID up there. Uh, That's one of those things. That's a dot on the page. We start to look at what's happening in the United States, and we go, oh, are we going to have a Speaker of the House? How's this going to work? What is happening exactly? I'm not really sure what to do with it, and we just go, yep, that's that is a dot on the page. We look at the world and we go, what is is happening in Israel right now? Is it going to escalate and become something even greater? How do we pray for people who are suffering right now in Israel? What what is God's plan in all of that? Is God okay with this? And that is another dot on the page. But not everything is bad. There's There are cool things that are happening in our world, too. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you have a job. That's good. Uh, Maybe you have some good relationships right now. Praise the Lord. Uh, Maybe you, you even have a little bit of money in the bank. Hallelujah. And we have these dots. And someone might look at this and go, oh, wait a minute. We have dots on a page. And they're going to start connecting it. Did you do this when you were in, in school? Mrs. Leidick and Miss James taught me in kindergarten and first grade. They bring out these dot-to-dots. And there was a part of a picture in the dot-to-dot, you know, when you're real little. And you're like, clearly that's a butterfly. I'm not even going to read directions. That's a butterfly. And, and uh, I, I just connect the dots. 
But as we got a little bit older, uh, you know, Mrs. Shalino, she brought out the tough stuff. Uh, there was no picture. There were just dots. And I remember sitting there with my pencil trying to figure it out, like, okay, if I just make these connections, yep, that's a, oh, but I have all these dots. That doesn't make sense. I had to read the directions, and suddenly it made sense. But there are those people that will go, oh, wait a minute, I think I see it. Here it is. Yes, we have a sloppy triangle. There it is. That makes sense. Look, there's a pattern there. there all of the dots have it. That should be connected, sorry. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, all the dots are, you know, in theory connected. And that's good. But I want to suggest that's not the way that we're supposed to do things. In fact, uh, this uh, is really how the world makes sense of things. Uh, let's redo it. What happens if in the midst of our life, in our world, we say every event is subjected to the power and presence of God? Every thought that I have, every situation that I'm entering into is under the authority of God. Yep, that's true. And there's COVID. Yep, that's true. And we have this situation with a speaker of the house. And that's true. And there's all this stuff happening in Israel. Yep. But also there are good things. And those, those good things, as an example, is we have some good relationships. Well, we have a job. That's good. We, we maybe have money in the bank. The exact same dots that I put up earlier. But what happens when we subject it to Christ? Suddenly these dots make a completely different picture. We connect them differently. And we might go, well, if it's connected to Christ, he has a plan in all of this. And the picture that we see is a little different picture now. We see the cross of Christ right in the midst of everything that we do. Same dots, but it's Christ. And it's a lot different than this uh, a random picture that we have, this triangle that we did earlier. Why do I, why do I share that? Well, I, I share that because in today's passage, we're going to be looking at worldly logic and we're going to look at kingdom logic. One of the things that we identified uh, about worldly logic is that's the default. That's where we go uh, because of the world that we live in. It's the way that we think. It's the way we've been taught to think. It's the way that our flesh wants us to move. It, it makes sense in this world. But Jesus says, you know what? There, there's, there's a better way. Uh, there's a different way. And this different way makes us look at the cross on everything. There is a redemptive message always and the way that Jesus calls us to look at things and the patterns of this world makes us consider what God might have in store. Whether that's COVID or whether that's a speaker of the house, whether that is Israel, whether that's relationships or money or jobs or the billion other things that happen in our life that we don't always make sense of, there is a redemptive message that God has in store. If you're not there, we're going to be in Mark chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, 
Uh, let me encourage you to raise your hand. One of our team members will happily bring you uh, a Bible. If you don't have one, let this be a gift. We would love to gift you with the Word of God. We think that the Word of God has access to God's words that are words of life. And from that is eternal life. And so we would love to give that to you. If you already have a Bible, then give ours back, okay? Uh, give it back at the end. We appreciate that. Uh, if your neighbor doesn't have a Bible and you're willing to take it to your neighbor, then okay, go ahead and keep it and take it to your neighbor. We, that's, that's wonderful. All right, we are going to be in Mark chapter 10. And if you remember, at the end of Mark chapter 10, uh, of last week with Pastor Matt, uh, in verse 31, he reminded us that, that Jesus is talking about this uh, bigger relationship, okay, grander relationship. Let me just read that part before we jump in uh, to our passage today. Uh, I'm, I'm actually going to jump up to verse 29. Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brother or sisters or mother or father or children's or lands for my sake and for the gospel, that's key, for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. If you have that, you might want to underline it. It's going to come back in a moment and make a lot of sense. And in the age to come, eternal life, but many who are first will be last and the last first. So this is uh, where, where Jesus uh, brings his disciples to this place of saying, you know what, you, you are sacrificially going to leave some things and it's going to come at a cost. And when you sacrificially leave things for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, uh, you, you're going to get it in return. And Matt drew the conclusion last week that Jesus seems to be talking about the church. How does he replace uh, a mother who isn't following the Lord, who, who doesn't love the Lord? Well, I, well, how do you replace that? Well, uh, the church gives relationships the motherly relationships that kind of help build into that. Fathers who are absent in the world or not present. The church uniquely has a place to love and care for brothers and sisters who aren't loving the, loving the Lord out in the world. The church is a place where we can have those type of familial relationships that are good and healthy. And Jesus attaches with that persecutions. You're going to get it a hundredfold. Oh, that's great. Oh, and persecutions. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on. And, and that's where we pick it up. We're in Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 32. I'm going to read. And as we go, uh, I want you to know a few things. Uh, first of all, there is a flow in this passage. And the flow, Jesus is going to talk about the ideal, the absolute. This is something that is going to occur. It will happen. It's part of the Father's plan. Uh, and then we're going to see a bad example. We're going to see a bad example. From the people who are closest to Jesus, bad example. Uh, it, should, it should sober us up. And then uh, there's going to be a correction. And then there's going to be a good example from an unlikely source. Watch and see what happens. <clears throat> and they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. Pause there. Yeah, they're afraid because Jesus just told them there's going to be persecutions. <laughs> yeah, maybe there's something to be afraid about. He's been talking about uh, this, uh, this Savior 
who's come in the flesh, this Messiah, whose kingdom is supposed to have no end, is going to go to the cross and give his life. And also, my followers, yeah, there is going to be a, there is going to be a sacrifice on your part, and the Father is going to return it a hundredfold, and there will be persecution. You bet they're walking with a little bit of fear and trembling. And that's where Jesus has them in this moment. And taking the 12 again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, see, we are going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man, again, the phrase Son of Man is a messianic phrase. Uh, Jesus isn't just talking uh, in some sort of riddle. This is a phrase connected to the Messiah, the anticipated one, the one they're all waiting for. And Jesus is using that of himself. The Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes. And they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. But this king is supposed to have a kingdom that has no end. This king, according to many of the religious leaders of the time, is going to set them free. And you're saying that he's going to be handed over to the religious leaders, the ones who should know better. And he's going to die. And he's going to be delivered not just to the Jewish religious leaders, but the Gentiles, who are not seen with a lot of love. Let's keep going. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. Again, uh, these are not encouraging words. And after three days, he will rise. So Jesus has just laid out what is going to happen. This is absolutely the Father's plan. If you're putting dots on the page, uh, you are not coming up with the cross right now if you're a follower of Jesus. This is not making sense to them. How can the eternal one give his life? Why would he die? Why would he raise? Are you talking about the resurrection to come? What is going on right now? There is some confusion. So to clarify things, James and John are going to speak up. This isn't the first time that they've spoken up. Uh, but they're going to speak into this very issue Keeping in mind the context, God in the flesh, who is willing to give his life as a sacrifice for everybody, is the context that he can't be held down by sin and death. He raises from the grave. Watch what they say. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. <laughs> You talk about not reading the room. Like, Jesus is just talking about his death and resurrection. Uh, Jesus, we were just thinking, why don't you do whatever we want? Okay. Here we go. <clears throat> Verse 36. And he said to them, uh, what do you want me uh, to do for you? And they said to him, grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in glory. Hey, I know you're talking about the cross, that's cool. Um, but in glory, could I sit on your right, maybe my brother sit at your left? Maybe my brother is on your right, I'm on your left. We're flexible. Um, you know, that the, the idea here, though, is look, look positionally where they want to be. They want to be by his side, don't they? Uh, they? They want to be in a position of authority, a place of honor. Don't, don't 
Don't miss that in the midst of all this. Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. You are able, are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. Let's just pause there for a minute. Let me interject some commentary here. In Acts chapter 12, uh, James is identified as the second martyr to Christianity, the, this guy here. Uh, he gives his life. He's uh, killed by the sword because of his faith in Christ in Acts chapter 12. Indeed, he does drink of the cup. He is baptized the way that Jesus is in terms of surrendering his life to God. John, the other. He's going to live a long life, but it's not going to be without persecution and trials. As an old man, he's going to be confined to a rock quarry on an island called Patmos, where he has to work uh, very hard. His life is threatened. Church history has some stories uh, that are unverified about, uh, about uh, him being tortured. Uh, we're not sure if those are true, but certainly... He went through a great amount of pain as he went through that. He was also one of the early fathers of the church that helped the church to be born and to grow and discipled the next generation of pastors and bishops that carried on the message of Christ. Indeed, they drank of the same cup and they were baptized with the same baptism. Jesus' words are correct. Verse 40. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, so again, uh, they began to be indignant at James and John. It, it's a little bit funny. It's like, oh man, they asked before I did. <laughs> you think you're better than me? Come on, this isn't right. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall, shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. So if you are going to follow Jesus, then serving is going to be a part uh, of, of your walk with Christ. Because that's what God did. Whether we're talking about the service of creation and the life that is sustained by the authority of his word, or uh, if, if we're talking about Jesus coming in the flesh and surrendering his life that we could have life, we see that service is a practice of God himself and is extended and expected of his disciples. You want to be great, then you better serve. We recognize that that is dynamically different than the way of the world. Herod Antipas, as an example, would be one who, throwing a party, has his uh, <laughs> wife's, his adulterous wife's uh, daughter dance for them to celebrate, asking, you can have whatever you want. She asks for the head of John the Baptist, who Herod actually had some sort of uh, respect for, but he gave it. 
Uh, why? Because the way that the world sees authority in Jesus' time, but I would suggest even today, is a little bit different. Uh, those under the rule serve the ruler. But Jesus says, no, not in God's kingdom. The ruler serves the ruled. Uh, it models it. Exemplifies it. When we look at the history of the world, we can identify there are two types of religions. There is the type of God who demands a sacrifice from those uh, he rules over. And there's the other type, the God who gives sacrifice for those he created. Christianity is the only one that falls in this category. Jesus calls them to be great, you must serve. Continuing on, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So you see, in God's kingdom, there is a different way of looking at things. The dots on the page is a redemptive message. Each part is connected to that drives us to a faith in God himself. Dynamically different. So we have seen this flow, an ideal, a specific message that flows from heaven that is a part of the purpose of Jesus the Christ. And then we see a bad example. We see a correction. And now watch as we move into this next section. In this next section, from an unlikely place, we're going to see a good example. Let's look at it. Verse 46. And they came to Jericho. Again, I wish we had more time to develop the, diff the, the reason that Jerusalem and Jericho mean so much in this passage to develop the, uh, the historical understanding behind it. It's phenomenal. I would encourage you to supplementally go back, look at those uh, places and the reasons that they're significant. We don't have time to dig into it today, but I'll just leave it at they are. All right. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. Okay, so, so what do we see? In a place that is pretty dangerous, there is a blind man. Uh, as a general rule, not that this isn't 100%, but as a general rule, people would have seen that there was some sort of judgment on him because he was blind. In other words, Either he or somebody in his family had done something bad that he was blind. This, this is a specific judgment on him. And he's in a place, Jericho, that is a dangerous place that many of the, mm, I say that the practicing religious leaders would not want to spend a lot of time in. Jesus walks by, and there is this blind man that, socially speaking, nobody wants to deal with him. <laughs> Just pay no attention to him. Keep walking. Uh, and he's sitting there on the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out. So, so look at the clue here. He, he hears that it's Jesus of Nazareth. He doesn't hear, this is the Messiah, he doesn't hear the Son of God. He just says, this is Jesus of Nazareth. Well, wait a minute. Uh, watch what flows from his mouth. 
he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, messianic term he's using. He's calling Jesus uh, the Messiah, the one who is supposed to sit on the throne that is an eternal throne. Have mercy on me. Don't give me what I deserve. That's what mercy is. Not receiving what you do deserve. Don't give me what I do deserve. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. Sounds real tender, doesn't it? Uh, no doubt this is a surprise to Jesus, or yeah, to Jesus' followers. Why is, why is he calling this blind man in Jericho to come to him? Can we just keep going? You ever been in a bad part of town you didn't really want to be in? Maybe even by accident or because someone else took you to that place? You just don't want to be there. You feel uncomfortable. You feel unsafe. Perhaps that's a little bit of what the disciples are feeling, and they are ready to skedaddle. Let's get to Jerusalem. Jesus says, no, stop. (laughs) Okay. All right. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. He's excited about this. Jesus is going to respond to him with a question that is very similar to what happened with James and John earlier. Verse 51, Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? There's James and John. uh, What did they say? I don't know. uh, Jesus, we want to ask you something, and we want you to commit ahead of time to do whatever we say. Uh, What do you want from me? Jesus doesn't commit. What do you want from me? Well, how about one of us on your right hand? How about one of us on your left hand? Um, That seems good to us. Um, Jesus asks the question, what do you want from me? In the presence of James and John. And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, that's teacher, let me recover my sight. Now, that, this is going to sound pretty simplistic. Like, okay, he has an issue, Jesus meets the issue. It is clear, he can't see, he's blind, he's asking for something physical. Let me suggest to you it's more than that. Let me suggest to you that in the culture it was more than that. Uh, but right now, uh, let, let's just deal with it as it comes, uh, Uh, Let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. He's identified Jesus as the Messiah. He's called out to Jesus as his Messiah. He's asked for sight. And Jesus has given him permission. Go back into Jericho. Do whatever. He's given him freedom. Whoops. Uh, And immediately, sorry, and Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and Followed him on the way. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to underline that. And followed him is key. When the blind man sees and has freedom to do whatever he wants, what he wants to do is to follow Jesus. What the disciples wanted to do was to be in a position of authority. There's some dots on the page. The dots move like this. I'll just identify three of them. Is, is what does leadership look like in the world versus leadership in the kingdom of God? 
what does a relationship with Jesus look like in the world versus the kingdom of God? What does mission look like in the world versus the kingdom of God? And that's where we're at. So let's, let's pause and look at it. In the world, this worldly logic says that leadership is positional. Leadership is positional. In other words, I have authority because of the position that I stand in. And though that may be true, the leadership that comes from that is based on the position. You do what I say because of my position. I decide what I want because of my position. And, and we can put that in, in, in just about any context we're in, whether that's a context in our home or at work or in our community, uh, whether that is that is the institution of the family, whether that is the institution of the government or the institution of the church, we can say that that positional leadership is a leadership style that is true in the world that is not supposed to be in the kingdom of God. In fact, Jesus says real leadership flows from serving. It looks different. Where Herod said, uh, you can have anything you want. Oh, yeah, you want this person's head? You can have this person's head, no problem. Because of my position, I can grant that. And Jesus lovingly serves the world. And he says, you know, for, for you to, to really have freedom, you need my life. And I'm going to offer that life for you. It's a place of servanthood. It's the expectation of the disciples the followers of Jesus. Secondly, worldly logic looks at Jesus. And by the way, I'm just going to suggest to us, uh, we all do, whether we want to just narrow it to Christmas and Easter and the celebrations thereof worldwide, or whether we want to open that up to a historical view of Jesus. Everybody has a view of Jesus, but there is a kingdom view of Jesus we're supposed to have. When we look at Jesus saying, Jesus, I want to be beside you. Positionally, I'm looking for something out of this relationship we have. What I really want out of this relationship is the ability to get something, to do something, to be somebody. If that's the case, that's worldly logic. That, that might be a dot on the page, but that, that's worldly logic. Bartimaeus, he has a different view. He says, I, I just want to see you, Jesus. Just let me see. Have mercy on me. Don't give me what I do deserve. Because what I do deserve is this, that I am lost and I am stuck in the filth of, of my own life, the fruit of what I have done. Have mercy on me, Jesus. Let me see. And when Bartimaeus sees, he follows Jesus. And he goes in directions that would have been uncomfortable, not just for him, but perhaps even for others. He's willing to follow Jesus. So when we view Jesus, how do we view him? Do we view him as, hey, I'm on the same page with Jesus. Jesus, we're on the same team. Or is it Jesus, I deserve God's wrath. Have mercy on me. Let me see you and follow you where you go. Lord, if you would grant that for me, that's all I want. That's kingdom logic. Thirdly, there is a mission, self-interest and ambition uh, versus faith and dependency. Let's talk about who's going to be greater. That was John and James, some of their favorite conversation throughout Mark. 
let's, let's talk about uh, where we're going and what position I'll be in. Bartimaeus, uh, his is a matter of faith. He hears that there is this Jesus, the, the one who, who cares for uh, women, the, the one who helps to heal the sick, the one who isn't afraid to speak truth in the face of opposition. And Bartimaeus says, surely, that is the Son of God, the Messiah. I want to follow him. So what will it be for us? I want to walk through a few questions as we start to move towards communion here in the next few moments. Uh, let's walk through these questions, and then we're going to talk about some action steps. First question, in what ways do we lead? So uh, if John Maxwell is accurate and influences leadership, then all of us have some aspect of leadership, uh, whether that is in our home or at school or at work or in our community. We all have that. And the question is, how do we lead? Do we lead like the world or do we lead like the kingdom calls us to? Secondly, how is our relationship with Jesus? So I want to calibrate our minds. Let's put everything in subject to Christ, all of the dots on our pages. Let's put it subject to Christ and let's, let's ask some questions. What does our relationship with Christ look like? Do we use him for position, for things and stuff? Jesus, would you grant this for me? Can I have this? I need more of that. Or do we look at him? There's another time where it was very clear where looking at Jesus was a rescue. And that's with Peter on the boat. Lord, let me grant, grant me that I could come to you on the water. He does. Peter steps out of the boat and walks to Jesus. As he's walking to Jesus, he sees the winds and the waves and they're crashing in. And they start to get kind of scary. And he's looking at the winds and the waves and he starts to sink. But as he looks at Jesus, suddenly he's rescued from the winds and the waves. He is safe when he's looking at Jesus. Safe in a kingdom way, not necessarily in the way we think of safety. So do we use Jesus or do we seek him? Thirdly, what is our mission? Is it our mission or Christ's mission? Lord, grant me this great position. Put me where I want to be. Or is it a redemptive message? Lord, how do you want to use this for your glory? Whether we're talking about COVID or the Speaker of the House, uh, Israel, our relationships, our money, our jobs, whatever it is, uh, Lord, how, do you want, how are you using that in a redemptive way for your good glory? We're on mission. And then some action steps. Let me suggest that we find a place to serve others that, in places where we're leading. So where are you leading? Wherever that is, how can you serve in that place? Maybe it's as simple as doing dishes or taking out the trash, or maybe it's something that, that we're going to have to be a little more thoughtful and consider. Maybe it's even like, okay, what, what is this person's love language? How can I speak into their life? How can I minister to them? How can I serve them in a way that they will hear and receive? Second, let your prayers begin with, Jesus, let me see you. Let me encourage you this week in a very practical way. This doesn't have to be your prayer always and forever. And, but, but just as a way of calibrating things, I want to encourage you this week to let your prayers begin with, Jesus, let me see you. Let me see you at work. Lord, let me see you in Israel. Let, Lord, can I see you uh, with my job? Can I see you with my finances? Uh, that, that we would pray in those ways. 
Thirdly, I want to encourage you to share your faith with two people this week. At least two people. Your testimony of what God has done in your life. What was life like before Christ? How did Jesus rescue you? And what has gone on in your life since then? Uh, You could do it on social media. Uh, You could do it, and I would encourage this mostly, face-to-face with somebody. Fourthly, let us know how things go uh, on our Facebook or on our friendship Facebook community page. So many of you are a part of that community. Love to hear what's going on. It's a great place for us to encourage one another and, and see it in a, uh, in a way that is helpful. Those are some questions and those are some action steps as we consider worldly logic and kingdom logic. In this kingdom logic that we've been called to, Jesus calls his people to regularly practice what we would call the Lord's Supper or communion. It's a time where we think through, uh, one, am I following Jesus? And two, is there any unconfessed sin that needs to be confessed, repented of, and to follow him? We would encourage that, and today we'll practice that. At Friendship Church, you don't have to be a, um, a member of Friendship but you do need to be a member of God's church. And by that, we mean that you've surrendered to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. We encourage you to take a few moments to ask God to illuminate your heart. Is there any wicked way in me? We encourage us to take time to consider that and to repent, to confess it, repent, and to follow him. At which time, you are free to participate. And how that would look is going to the carpeted areas, going to the station nearest you, getting both elements, and then returning on the outside aisle to your, uh, to your seat. And then after the next uh, song, we'll participate together. As the worship team comes out, would you join me as we pray? Lord God, we love you and we need you. We thank you and we praise you and we ask that you would be exalted. Lord, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand as we try to discern your will and your plan, as we look and see the worldly logic that has infected us. Lord, free us to see the kingdom logic that gives us life. We love you, Lord, and we praise you. Thank you, Lord, for giving your life that we could have life. In Jesus' name, amen.